0: hi everyone and welcome back to let's unpack that your weekly podcast where this politically engaged queer millennial unpacks topics at the top of his mind um and today we are unpacking sex education um or lack thereof (laughs) um so uh it's interesting because uh the last topic that we recorded um with kel and with randy was about education specifically around um uh, diversifying curriculum, historically Black colleges and universities. Um, and I think that that episode was like pretty eye opening for me in a lot of different ways because I knew almost nothing about HBCUs. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily understand like why so many people chose to, to go to them. But when I, when I think about like curriculum, and I think about like the failures of our education system, uh, one of the topics that, that always comes to mind for me is sex education. Cause I don't know and still don't know, um, a lot about it. Um, and, and shortly before I hit record on this podcast, I put a message out to, uh, all of you asking uh, where your education, uh, failed you in terms of sex ed- education and the most common response was that I was failed everywhere <laughs> so um I I think that, that that's great it shows that there's a, a good uh, audience for this podcast episode um and I'm excited to do that with Lexi who has been on the podcast before when we talked about allyship so Lexi um welcome back to
1: the podcast hello I'm excited to be here
0: yeah, super excited to have you Um, in a different capacity, not asking you about um, allyship, but asking you about, you know, your...
1: All the sex ed. All the yeah.
0: Sex ed. Um, and I've always, you know, we we talked about it a little bit when we were recording last time, but just um, I've always appreciated, I think, your view around sex ed and sex positivity, because um, I learned so much from you as like a young 20, 21-year-old, whenever that was that we we lived together in the Dominican. Um, You know, and that was probably before you had studied a ton of it. But just, I think, meeting someone who uh, didn't shame me for my uh, sexual habits or lack thereof, you know, while doing service work. Um, But uh, so I'm super excited to have you here. Happy to have you talk with something you're passionate about. But also, it sounds like something that you do professionally, too, in a lot of ways, right? um so I guess um first just uh, catching catching back up with you how are things in Florida with the coronavirus
1: <laughs> well we're number one at a lot of things you know and they're not always positive things um but yeah it's just so crazy to me so like backtracking I work public health so because I work in that entity we have to kind of split our time now between like the sex ed and like family planning stuff, but also COVID response. And it's just so crazy to me how many people still don't believe this is a real virus. And that's why we're number one, because every time something comes up, it's like, oh, well, they're lying, the media, they died from this pre-condition like or you know, you're making up numbers so hospitals can get more numbers. And I'm like, no, I literally before I was talking to you, I was talking to someone, you know, dying of COVID. But you know, go tell them that it's fake. But yeah, we still don't have mask mandates. So a lot of people aren't wearing masks unless you know, the store requires it. But out and about, they're still like doing their own thing and still partying, clubbing. And it's Sad. It's
0: really sad. And that's, I think, like, part of it's so sad is that it's young people too, you know? Like, we're for a while, I think young people were doing well, like, and, and like, taking this seriously, but then we seem to get bored. Um, and it seems like some of the older people have, have always been bad. Um, but I, I guess, like, when they come into you, like, do they have to have a mask on? Do you guys require it?
1: So we actually aren't seeing any patients, just in my area. Um, at the moment, which also kind of sucks because there's not as much like free STI services going on and everything's virtual. So I kind of miss being one-on-one, but I completely get it. But um, yes, if they come into like our building for something else, um, they have to have a mess. But a lot of times what I'm doing is more like contact tracing and answering questions and helping you see if you qualify for a test, but now like everyone qualifies. But it's just sad that the people that end up having COVID, they always say to me, like, you know, it was a small family gathering or, you know, I just had, you know, a couple of friends over or, you know, it was just a barbecue. We didn't think it was going to be that bad. And then, you know, someone's younger, symptomatic, like 18 to 24, we see the most now um, right. that are like asymptomatic, but they're giving it to like their old, like parents or grandparents and so yeah but then they don't believe it's real but then it's you know grandma that ends up in the hospital and that's really the sad part
0: yeah well thanks for providing like that on the ground perspective because like i don't you do think i mean and, and even sometimes i've like second guessed myself you know and i'm like am i just believing that this is like worse than it is um and like i'm not you know i i i for the first time in my 28 years on this earth, I'm not going on my family vacation to the Jersey shore Um, because for that exact reason, like it's just a family barbecue. It's just a time for us to get together. Well, if that kills my parents, like, is that worth it? You know, like, was that trip really worth it? Um, Or is the last time, you know, I I could see them and talk to them before this was a, a great positive experience. I just, it doesn't seem worth it at all. Like I don't right. Like it just doesn't I don't understand the, the risk and yeah, and, and I think the perfect example is that asshole Herman Cain, who just passed away. And I'll I'll keep saying asshole. I'm not gonna feel bad for him. I mean the, the guy has been saying on his Twitter account, and this is, by the way, if you don't know, Herman Cain was a formal a former presidential candidate of the Republican Party. Um, and, you know, his whole thing was COVID's not real. We're overreacting. There's no second wave, which, hello, we, we never left the first one. Um, and then he went to Trump's rally. That was his last public appearance, got COVID, and then just died a couple days ago. And it just, like we see this happen over and over and over again of just a sort of like willful ignorance and i can't imagine like thank you for being somebody that has to deal with those people in person and not read about them after the fact
1: and then just knowing that you have a pre-existing condition like he did you know and knowing that you you're black and like covid is disproportionately hurting the black community more i mean whether he realizes that or not is a whole different issue but it's just just going to just something so public so many people and then also refusing to wear a mask and talking about it it's just like well i don't know what to tell you at this point you know like so um bless his family but yeah i I saw it coming
0: (laughs) (laughs) so true Um, okay, well, I'd love to to jump into a little bit around your career in sex sex education and treating people. Yeah, can you like, I don't know, give us a little bit of the juicy details? No, but like, like, seriously, what is your sort of like career and and training in this? All
1: right, cool. So I am professionally a sexual health educator. So what I do is I teach mostly um, young adults ages 11 to 19, you're sex ed. And I know we're going to get into this, but everyone, every time I say that, people are like, well, people don't really get taught sex ed or like, it's just don't have sex till marriage and you walk out the door. But my curriculum is a little different. Um, I also work with college students and an interesting component of my program is that I teach adults But in the eyes of helping them with their young adults. So, you know, if they are parents of middle school and high school kids, nurses, teachers, counselors, helping them with those hard topics, learning more about it, but also how to talk to kids about it. And I don't think a lot of other programs really do that aspect. So I really like that. Um, Pre COVID, I used to do like STI testing. We have a bus and we go out in the community and say, you know, hey, we're doing free STI testing, come here, you know, take a moment of your time. We did a lot with like the homeless community. We did a lot with like, we had a partnership with one of the um, number one gay bars down here that used to be like my favorite place ever to like, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, yeah, but just to be like, imagine like going out on the strip, but then also having a rapid hiv sti test and so you can know your results right there before you go home with someone um no judgment at all and it was just an awesome experience so that was one of my favorite partnerships before COVID. that
0: that. okay philly (laughs) needs that philly (laughs) needs you here and i will start that with you like I just think if you were to capture a bunch of people outside of Woody's or Tavern on Kamek or, oh, my God, like that sounds like such valuable work, especially if there's no stigma. Like, hey, we're going to let's go do this together. What is the harm?
1: You know, right? and it was just come in. We actually on the bus had a one minute test. So actually in one minute you can know your HIV status and it's like before you went home with someone or before you guys hooked up in the car or the bathroom like literally no judgment and then here's some free condoms or dental dams or whatever you use, and go on your way and it was great like they enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot heard everyone's different stories and paths and it was awesome so it's kind of what my job is i've always done like women's health and i worked more with like birth and reproductive rights and but then I realized a lot of times my people would come in they're older in their 20s 30s having their first baby but like don't know how they got pregnant or maybe how they got an STI or just sexual health questions in general that no one ever taught them and I'm like okay you're about to bring like a human into this world. We should probably do something to help you figure out how you got to this point. (laughs) And so that's kind of how I got into like sex ed. But I love it. I've been doing it for about two and a half years now. But I love the impact it's making.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I I just think, you know, for that the queer experience like specifically resonates with me because I didn't learn any of that in school. I mean, I didn't learn anything about sex ed in school at all, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to record this with you. Um, But just the, like, the being a queer person, knowing that if you did have sex ed, it was probably geared a lot of times towards heterosexual, like, interactions and relationships. So, like, having that, even just because they probably, if especially if they had a couple of drinks in them, I'm sure they would ask you a question or two, you know, like that, that maybe they didn't know about before, like just the dialogue is a little bit more free and, and open. I think that that's really cool. Um, so I guess like, it's funny, because maybe things are changing, like you said, you know, because um, most people you talk to now have not had a sex education course. Um, but for all of us who are millennials or Gen Z, I don't think many boomers listen to this podcast, but hello, you know, welcome if you are, um, yeah, um, we accept you too and we accept your sexual lifestyle. Um, so, you know, when I was looking at just some of the research, like on the CDC of some of the stuff that they put out, um, from 2006 to 2008, um, it was saying like, for the most part, a lot of people were getting sex, sex education. Um, I don't know. Quality wise, what that was, but just some of the statistics 96% of females and 97% of male teenagers reported that they had received formal sex education before they were 18. 92% of males and 93% of females reported being taught about STDs. And 89% of males and 88% of females reported receiving instructions on how to prevent HIV and AIDS. Male teenagers were less likely than female teenagers to have received instructions on methods of birth control, Um, but this is one of the lowest statistics, 62% of men and 70% of women, though, um, receiving education on birth control, and then nearly two-thirds of female teenagers have talked to their parents about how to say no to sex, um, compared with two out of five males, which... I you could take that statistic and do an entire dissertation on I would think
1: yes <laughs>
0: um but when I read those statistics at the the first thing that comes to mind is well that's pretty good you know but then I think about like my own experience and I'm like if my because I was a teenager you know from 2006 to 2008 ish like if my experience if I were to answer yes to those like I went to a Catholic school. Like I got nothing. My sex education was abstinence. It was chastity days. It was, you know, learning about how to prevent even the opportunity of having sex, of of staying away from people and not even having like co-ed dances and stuff. Uh, we did, but you know, like, it was like your after party, here's how to have a safe after party. So none of you have, like, it just, um, I got like nothing, you know? Um, and I still feel like I probably know nothing because um, I haven't, it's not something that I've necessarily felt I need to go back and learn, especially now being married. I'm like, well, do I need to still know about sex uh, being married? And I'm like, yeah, like I think so. Like um, especially in the, in the queer community, when things are a little bit more open, a little bit more fluid. Um, I think sometimes um, than the straight community, generally speaking, of course. Um, but I don't know, like, do you talk with a lot of people who went to Catholic school? Are they as, like confused or as shocked by some of the things that you say.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. The Catholic schools in the area do not let me in and they have that (laughs) right. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting. So like with your statistics, it sounds like, oh goodness, everyone's getting sex egg. This is great. But it's like, technically if I tell you the way to prevent HIV is to just not have sex and then go on to like a math class, that's literally sex ed. Like that that was it, that one line. And they count that as, oh, this person got sex ed. But you learn nothing with that statement. And so it's just really interesting now, like even in 2020, when I talk to young people, because I mean, I talk to people that are freshmen. So they were in high school last year and they just are like, I literally learned nothing. I got the birth video and that's it. I was told, like, if I have an STD, I'm gross, and no one's ever going to love me, and that's it, and I mean, God, there's p- probably no type of inclusivity, like, there's no talking about LGBTQ community, there's no, like, hey, I'm feeling this way, like, is this normal for me, and everyone's like, no, um, I actually was just in a training for abstinence-only education, because I try to learn everything. I want to know okay. all aspects so I can have a counter argument because I could be like, that's wrong. So I do everything from absence only, save yourself till marriage, or like be a Virgin Mary all the way to like <laughs> comprehensive, let's get down to the dirty stuff. Right. Just so I can have it all. And so I sat in that, um, I sat in that training and it's, you know, people from across the country, cause it was virtual this year and just hearing what they were saying i would say oh my goodness i'm never going to be allowed here again but this is sex ed like this is really sex ed you're just saying you know you should really save yourself to marriage and that's great if that's your choice i mean but i want you to know like all your options or but also don't like the message when you're belittling people because of the choices they made um and so I feel like a lot of abstinence only program um, kind of focus on the, well, if you did this before, you're dirty or you're bad. And then now you kind of feel guilty anytime you even like have a sexual thought. And it's like, you're human. That's just like, it's going to happen. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting.
0: Well, that's that's so funny that you, that sort of like aversion that people feel, I think, um, is something I can totally relate to. Like, for me, not only was sex a sin, but gay sex was a triple sin, you know, <laughs> and like gay sex out of marriage was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> like you have you have went way too far. And you you do even now as I'm talking to you, like I'm I'm talking about sex and feeling confident about it. But my hands are sweating. I'm not comfortable, you know? Um, And I, I, I think that like, even, you know, people always talk about that. Like it, after people like finish or orgasm, they like, they feel regret and they feel like they did something wrong and they feel like dirty and whether that's by yourself or with a partner or with 12 partners, like they feel like, Ooh, there's like a shame that comes with that rather than a sense of empowerment and like, I think a lot of that, at least in my experience as somebody who went to Catholic school is because it's shame, it's failure, it's sinning, it's going to hell. And it's one of the most egregious things you can do because you don't want to be that person who gets somebody pregnant. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Right. A, a, a child before marriage. Oh, that poor girl, her poor family. What a shame. It's just like uh, it it is it is absolutely something that I have felt and even have continued to feel in marriage sometimes like um, that I could be doing something wrong by like loving my partner in a physical way. And it's crazy.
1: Right. Just because of like all the messages you were taught, like throughout your life. And then it's like, like no matter what type of sexual orientation you are, what, it's just when everyone has always told you, like, it's bad. Like, let's, let's not talk about the other stuff, and we're not talking about like this is normal, like masturbation is completely normal, or you know, what dreams when you're younger is completely normal, right? Um, just stuff like that. Like, I had a I know we're gonna talk about like STIs later, but I work with a lot of like younger kids, and so I am clearly the only person that's ever been open about anything because. After my classes, I literally have a line. I, my, I always tease, like, you're going to have to, like, give me an extra space afterwards because people always come to me afterwards. And they're like, oh, no, you're only here for two days. Like, they won't connect with you like that. And I, mm-hmm. they just told me their whole life story. Right. This one poor little girl that was um, born with herpes. So um, if a mom is pregnant has herpes and is not on the right type of medication and she has an outbreak at the time she's delivering, she can pass on herpes to her child that way. So apparently this poor little girl is like in the sixth grade. She has herpes and no one ever explained to her what it was. They just told her that she had herpes and that she could never have sex with anyone and she should never touch herself down there. That's literally what they told her
0: oh my god So
1: she's talking to me and i'm like okay this is gonna take a lot like one like counseling that is not my role but also just educating like you and i was like you're not gonna die because she thought it also was fatal so i'm telling her like you're not gonna die from this you know you get outbreaks when you're stressed probably when you're on your period right and then once you decide one day to have sex with whoever you have sex with Um, it's consensual just you have to tell them other than that you can have a perfectly normal life but every like imagine for the 12 years of your life thinking that every time you get bumps in anywhere in your skin like you're gonna die and it's just like so important that part like like I said like the woman's health thing like that mom kind of should have been educated because clearly she didn't know but then like this poor girl has PTSD and she's 12 right so that's my thing, that you're always gonna feel guilt if you're only told the negative, and even a false negative, and never the positive. So that's kind of how my curriculum or how I talk to people or interact when they come to my office. Like we can talk about, you know, the consequences of some of this stuff because I don't want you to downplay it and be like, oh, it's fine, it's whatever, it's not. But also the positives, like your, your actions don't like define who you are as a person it's just one thing you're a sexual being you're human like so let's talk about it
0: yeah and to to hide it just seems so detrimental in in that case but in in so many other cases like I I just as you were talking I I thought about that sort of lack of education for some people who didn't didn't receive effective like uh uh I don't even know what the word is um but like effective training or uh, accurate training or accurate information like Um, You know, recently uh, I I cut my foot um, and I was bleeding like on the floor and um, I would like couldn't stand. So I asked someone to like help me clean up. And that person was like, can I touch this blood or like, am I going to like get AIDS? And I was like, okay, uh, I don't know where to even begin this conversation with you. Um, And I didn't, I just sort of like stayed silent. I just sort of was like, no, you won't. Like, like, I I didn't know how to say like, number one, I don't have, uh, HIV, um, and not everyone who has, uh, HIV gets AIDS. And, um, like I just, like, I was like, how can I, you know, and that's, that's one that I know about only because I know that there is a stereotype around queer people and HIV and AIDS. Um, most of that was perpetuated from the government, um, letting a lot of gay men die in the 80s and 90s. Um, But, like, how do I even begin to explain to this person who is, like, cleaning my blood up off the floor that, that, no, that blood is not going to, like, get... Like, and maybe... I don't know. I don't... Actually, I guess that's a question for you. Like, can somebody get AIDS that way? You know? Like, like, is that even possible? Like...
1: Well, not AIDS, right? And I think there's still a very there's not enough education out on like HIV and AIDS still to this day and people really still believe that you know it's a gay disease you can get it from a toilet seat and none of these things are true um but for when it comes to like if someone was bleeding out right um like yes you want to have on gloves when you're cleaning up blood obviously but it's specifically HIV that that person would have to have a cut on their arm and it, or their hand, and even if it's a small cut, and then like actively like with their palm like go into that blood, and then that HIV goes into their veins, and then yes, they could become HIV positive. Um, but again, like you said, not everyone that has HIV gets AIDS. Um, HIV is kind of a sensitive virus. It's like very delicate where once it's exposed to air, it kind of does die pretty quickly. So depending like how long it took someone to clean up that blood, it probably was dead. In that case, you're more probably exposed to hepatitis C because that can live for a very long time than like HIV, but most people don't realize that anyway. But um, yeah, so it has to really be like injected into your veins or like the fluids, blood, breast milk, vaginal fluid, um, semen, anal fluid, that's how people actually transmit it. And that's why we see a lot of times, at least with HIV, with people sexually active, regardless of your sexual orientation, and then also um, sharing needles, drug needles, because you're literally injecting it right into your vein at that point. Um, but we don't really see it when people are just cleaning up blood, and especially most people were like some type of glove or something like there's some type of barrier.
0: I mean, like, were you going to drink it and suck it up and like laugh? I just, it was, it was something that like, I didn't even know. So why it was wrong. I just knew that it was wrong. Um, like I knew enough about like, my own status, um, which is another thing I think it would be great to talk about with you, um, knowing your status. Like, I just like, I knew a little bit like to be like, uh, no, you're not going to please help me. I'm bleeding. <laughs> you know, like, I, just... I don't
1: know, And like, you're in shock from the injury. So it's hard to be like, I don't have time to give you like a whole lesson right now, but can you just help me at this point? yeah have a glove and come help me
0: and tomorrow <laughs> can you watch the normal heart please like, can you, like it just is so crazy oh. um well let's talk about i guess like um stds and stis because um, i i don't know enough about them um i've been tested um for hiv quite a few times um not as often as i should um being you know the the level of sexual activity i think i had <laughs> that we all had or maybe uh, pre pre-covid but um you know like i i know at least for for hiv like you're supposed to get tested like every three months you know um to always know your status um but like there's so many other stds and stis out there um and those are ones that i've never been tested for and ones that i uh, you know, if I got a bump on my leg that could just be a pimple or chafing, I might be like, oh my God, you know, because I've fully done that with Jack before. Um, and that's just not an educated approach. You know, you're, you're Googling, you're looking at pictures, you're looking at, you're comparing this tiny little thing on your leg to some picture of someone with like, you can see their bone. It's just like the the information that we have, there, there's great information out there. And I know you're going to be able to provide some, but like, for the random person just trying to figure out if something that they have is, is an STD or an STI, like I think they must be confused and, and maybe that is unrelatable and that's just me, but <laughs> I guess like I don't know, what are some of the most common questions that you get about STDs and STIs? Or or what are some of the things that you've experienced at work when you're trying to talk about them?
1: So I know I don't know about you. It, when you had like sex ed in high school but did they ever show you like all those scary pictures of what STDs look like when people get them?
0: No. Um, but a lot of people responded to my Instagram comments today and said like these horrific pictures to scare us into abstinence was part of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I got. And so I was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm ever having sex when I was in high school, but I don't do that in my curriculum because that is just like, people have to like have an STI and then just ignore it for years to be as bad as those pictures and that's like not normal right so actually it's very likely that someone gets an STI at one point in their life like one out of two people by the time they're 25 get an STI and most people don't realize that like majority of your friends probably had one but because there's so much stigma around it like we're not gonna talk about it we're not gonna do this that you don't know so if it happens to you you think oh i'm the only one this ever happened to ever in life right so especially if all you got was those scary freaking pictures and then you know, you may have like a mild symptom and you're just like, uh, I don't know if that's it because the picture I saw, like there's green things oozing everywhere. And now I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I get a lot of questions about like how to get an STI and like signs and symptoms. So like A lot of times, especially for my younger people, they think, you know, because they're having anal sex or oral sex, there's no way they can get a STI. And I mean, you can definitely get it any type of sex, right? Um, And then they also want to figure out, like, maybe how do they know they have one? And the problem is that a lot of times some people don't know, right? Because they don't, especially for the first three months, they may not show any symptoms at all. And that's when they're most contagious. So they're spreading to other people. So um, we recommend that if you're changing partners to get tested every three months, kind of like what you said, Um, especially if, well, anyone, but especially if you are someone that has a vulva and a vagina, because it's way harder for you to tell that you have an STI, especially like chlamydia. Um, Chlamydia is just, once someone has it, just usually it's like a clearish white discharge so it kind of like for people that have vulvas it looks like a yeast infection and you may just go on your day because discharge is normal but you may actually have chlamydia and um, I tell a lot of my like younger female clients that I don't want you to ignore this and then down the line you're infertile because that's what chlamydia can do to you and I've had women that when I was working more in women's health who just ignored it for so long and then they realize they may be infertile or like have a harder time conceiving once they you know really want to have a child because they had chlamydia from years ago that they just never got tested because they ignored it um but those are symptoms you know the itching and burning and stuff um those are the most common painful urination um, my kids always love hearing about like the green discharge with gonorrhea. Um, have you heard gonorrhea called the clap before?
0: I don't think I knew that gonorrhea was the clap. I think I thought the clap was syphilis.
1: No. So gonorrhea is called the clap. This is my kid's favorite story. So I'll tell you. So why it's called that is because once someone has gonorrhea for a while, they get a green discharge. And so it can gonorrhea can be cured with penicillin. So you just get like a shot in the butt and you're good to go. But before that, what happened is that, well, you know, guys were the only ones that could be sexually active, right? So guys were the only ones that could get STIs. And so there are these guys that had like swelling in their penis and their testicles and their penis is now oozing green stuff. And so in the olden days, what they used to do was they would clap the penis in between two books And they thought when you did, (laughs) you would like expel the green discharge, you were cured from gonorrhea and that's why it's called the clap. So now you won't forget gonorrhea.
0: (laughs) Not a chance. I'm, I shouldn't. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) funny. It is funny. It has to be. I was going to say, I shouldn't laugh because people are struggling with that. But I had no idea that that's where the clap came from. Yeah,
1: that's how it got its name, like way, way back in the day. So. I always tell them, thank goodness for penicillin, right? We're not going to clap your penis in between a book. They'll give you a shot. So come down and I'll, I'll help cure you for free. So come on down. I guess
0: it must be, it must be good that you make it fun, I would think. Because like, if it's fun, if you can laugh about it, it also becomes less serious and maybe something that less kids get bullied about, you know, like, because they're, they're like, oh, this is common, this is easy, this is, it's also, in a lot of ways, really easy to prevent, so, like, I don't know, that sounds like a good way to do education, I don't know. Like,
1: Yeah, it's fun, and then, like I said, when we do our IG Live, I'll bring, like, my stuffed animals and stuff that I teach, so you guys can see, but it just makes it, like, you know, not as scary. You know, if I just tell you that story and then you're not getting that scary behind picture, you may feel like a little better about yourself if it's happening to you. Like my whole thing is someone in my class is probably going through this. So it's not to like shame someone or hurt their feelings or make them feel like horrible about themselves. Just get the information out there. And because I'm trained in that, I think that me and my other co-educator do a really good job because we literally went to school for this. But in a lot of states, um, you don't have to be qualified in like public health or women's health or anything like that to teach sex ed. So before we came along, or even some other schools, it's just a gym teacher. I'm not saying they don't know stuff, but that's not what they went to school for, right? And then even I have a lot of my friends are like, um, doctors, nurses, PAs, nurse practitioners, and then they always call me and say like, oh, I have a, like, how do I break down the, how to talk to someone about this? I just actually, before we got on this podcast, talked to one of my friends that's a physician and she was getting a lot of teens coming in and she's like, I just want to know the right way to approach this information because they only get like, I think, three days of sex ed in their four year education. And so it's like very medical to the point, but there's no like educational aspect or how to break it down to a young person who you're a stranger, like they see you once a year for 15 minutes. And so it's like, I just don't understand how people open up to you after like an hour of you lecturing. Right. And I'm like, it's just how you say it. Wording is really everything. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy how like your medical professional probably only had like Three days of sex ed, and they have to know everything before <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that just—it's another call for like
0: I don't know. It, 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 it's like when we talk about like different social programs that we want or need in this country, like. Um, you know, it's it's kind of nice to dream. When you think about, we spend so much money on the military, so much money on police, like so much money in so many areas of things. I just don't know that are necessarily helping our communities. And if you think, you know, specifically for any community, really, um, but we know, you know, that black, brown, and queer people um, it, it tend to be, you know, people who. Uh, have higher rates of different STDs and STIs specifically I know HIV is one too, right? Um, uh, like if if we could fund some programs like that uh, within the uh, our communities to maybe help remove the stigma, increase education, it just seems like, probably a really eff- effective way to like relieve some uh, stress off of the healthcare system later in life too. You know, like we all kind of win uh, if we, if we do some intervention and in education in the beginning, I don't know.
1: It would be nice. Right. Or like, it's just crazy to me. Cause you know, most likely you're going to have sex in your lifetime. Right. And so that's always my problem with the ones that teach like, absence until marriage and then they don't teach you anything else right so like okay but now you're married and you're you you know haven't had sex before let's say you did it the quote unquote right way which we know that's not true but you did it right you listened to all those people and then now you're in a marriage but you never learned what a healthy relationship looked like you never learned negotiation skills you never learned What like pleases you what you don't like or how to tell your partner that you don't even know, like the parts of your body like you don't know. I get a lot of people that like may not know the difference between like their vulva and their vagina. So they're trying to tell me like something's wrong, but they're not talking about the right parts of their body. But even that like to be able you don't know any of that. So now you're in this marriage and you've never had a sexual relationship or never taught like the importance of that or like consent like or that you can be raped in a marriage or some things are just not healthy or even that you need to still be tested once a year um none of that and so I was like you're not setting up people even if that's your message for like success because they don't know anything um and then I know like you had your research let me find the ones I found for you oh yeah so only 15 states require sex education to be medically accurate so 15 so i can tell you that um like sperm is from a demon spawn and you'll get like you'll get an std even if you think of sex and that's that could be approved um and then only 26 states require it to be like age appropriate so meaning that you're not getting the same message that you got in elementary school middle school and high school um, 37 states do require that abstinence is included in sex education 18 states require that you give information about birth control and only nine states currently require discussion of lgbtq relationships and it to be inclusive so nine nine yeah and
0: isn't that just It's so interesting when we think about structural disadvantages for people and lack of knowledge and representation, exposure, every word, you know, that we've all been using a lot more recently, Um, you know, I just, it amazes me that 37 states have laws requiring that abstinence is part of sex education, but only 15 require that that education is medically accurate. So... More than double the amount of states uh, require abstinence training versus, you know, like, medically accurate, age-appropriate sex ed. Like, that, that is one of the reasons why many of the people listening to this probably feel woefully misinformed and failed. Um And oh my god, the 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 queer people who listen to this too, we didn't get shit. Like we didn't get shit. And and maybe I would have gotten a little bit more if I'd went to a public school near here, you know, and and but but, I mean queer people at a Catholic school. Yeah, (laughs) right. You didn't get it either. So it's it's crazy. Like I um that's that's a couple of the things that I've I've just been hearing is like, well, I went to Catholic school, I got nothing. You know, I had to wear a button that said, I'm worth waiting for. I got sent to chastity camp. Um, I got told that um, if I had sex before marriage, I would get kicked out of my home. Um, All of these negative things um, that don't approach things from an educational perspective because parents are less educated than their children. So like the parents are just disciplining something that they know nothing about.
1: (laughs) Right. It's pretty much it. Like your parent probably didn't, Whoever takes care of you probably never got sex set either. Or so it's kind of like, of course, we like going to them only because of their experiences, maybe. But we see a lot of times like studies have shown that actually like young adults actually go to their parents and their friends for that information. So if the parent brushes them off or just gives the way wrong information, like that's the narrative we're going with. And then that's why people are like 30 and still ashamed, even in like a loving monogamous relationship. And it's because no one ever taught them. And it's just so sad, especially I see it more with my like LGBTQ youth. And that's why I try to be so inclusive. So like even the first day i want the name that you want to be called regard like just tell me that name and that's what you write on like your little sticky sign-in sheet we have pens so i call you the right pronoun like everyone just so if there's a different pronoun you want to be called or something that's different from like the school roster because of course they're not going to change it let me know ahead of time um kind of not just talk about like from heterosexuality because you know I think a lot of it is I'm just thinking of like some of the discussions I've had and a lot of times teens like the principal or the teacher are like oh they're not ready for that why don't you like take that part out of the class because they're not ready for it but then and like My office, so like what I teach in school has to go by school guidelines. And then when you're in an office or my community space, it's whatever you want answered, I'm going to answer it for you, but age appropriate, of course. But a lot of them, we talk about like why some of those stigmas are there or why in the brown and black community, like they get less access to stuff or less of that education or even why like the generational Um, messages are still going on that aren't true and I mean these kids are 15 and 16 like you're telling me they're not ready for it like they absolutely are and they may be having sex too so (laughs) but you know that's a whole different thing so yeah I try to just make it so inclusive and I don't know if it's because I'm brown or that I'm like younger than most of the other people that ever come to talk to them they feel more comfortable but I work really hard to like be an ally, especially for the LGBTQ community because I don't identify that way. So I like actively try to make sure I know what's going on and also like expose my young adults to that to be allies if they don't identify that way as well. So
0: I think it sounds like a good way to go about it. That's actually something that I um randy shared on the last podcast too when she's putting together just general education curriculum like around things like you know history and sociology um you know start with the people who get the least exposure and attention and that's black trans women and then branch out move your circle out keep going out keep going out and that's how you get to effectively teach history and i think that that probably makes sense too it's like it's inclusion but it's also just i think like um I don't know, part of it Part of it sounds like, like, yes, inclusion is the right word, but it's also just like being thoughtful that there are different people in the room, you know, and not everybody is different. And if you say that not everybody's different out loud, and then people are like, oh, yeah, right. It's just a good reminder. Um, and I think we could have all benefited from that, you know, as, as children. I know we didn't all get that. So um, we certainly got be a good person. We got, you know, all that... Uh, all that stuff, everybody's special, everybody's unique, but it wasn't, you know, to that level of that needs to be, you know, that, that, that helps people, I think, develop love from an early age. Like I, and I just think like, I don't know, even things that people have asked me in adulthood, like some of my friends, um, they didn't realize that gay men could have sex in a missionary position. They thought the only way that gay men could have sex was like, uh, what is that doggy style? Which, Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, it made me be like, what in your image of queer people made you think that, like, that was the only way to do it? Um, like, do you not, like, I don't, It just like, what about the male body or two male bodies do you think, like, can't work? We can do it every way that you can, you know? <laughs> like, it just, it and and to be asked things like that, even as an adult, I'm kind of like, I don't like I'm 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 an open book so I'll share anything but just sometimes questions like that kind of take me back take me take me aback a little bit because I'm like do you just think and I know that people are like when you do it doggy style you're doing it like animals you know and like I if you want to do it that way go ahead but it's just like you're equating you know like gay sex to something that seems more typically animalistic you know than something else and i'm like that just you don't view that sex as like a human loving interaction. like you guys can kiss while you do it like uh yeah have you ever mm-hmm. turned your head I, like, <laughs> I don't know it's so weird it's so weird um I, I mean it's weird for people to ask questions like that but at least they're searching for information um I don't know, and I like. I'm sure I've asked questions like that too, because clearly I don't know. You know, talking to you on this podcast, there's so much I don't know too. But,
1: but I think it's different though. So that's why I have a problem with people, like this may not be the direction you were thinking of going with this podcast. But that's why I have a problem with people that um, have a don't understand how they can be an ally to the black community because like. I didn't know all the stuff between like LGBTQ community and I still don't know everything. Like I actively put myself out there to learn, but I'm not someone like, Oh, Paul, you're gay. Great. Let me ask you these questions. Cause I know you represent the entire community. <laughs> like, no, like you're not going to know everything either, but it's just like, I put myself out there. I make sure I am around people that I, Are diverse, right? I go to um, seminars. I work a lot with a community organization down there down here that um, works with HIV-positive people, and I go to their, you know, I go to their banquets. I have them come to the class and speak about their experience of having HIV, and so people can get out of that stigma that like only gay men get this disease when they see a white elderly woman walk into my room and they're like why is she here and she tells the story like they're like wait what like oh okay right or like all that stuff but I'm actively working to get there listen to a podcast I read a damn book but I don't think like and like that's why as a if you're trying to be an ally to the black community you can literally do the same thing So your only token black friend isn't the answer for everything. And like, if you're not sure about something, Google is your best friend and like, read a book, read a damn book. That's all you have to like, and put yourself out there. Like that self-reflection. Do I have black friends? Do I have friends that aren't white, cis men? No. Okay. I need to change that, you know? Um, yeah I digress but that's like I get so mad because I have worked so hard to make sure that like the people that come into my office that get care are get inclusive care but then if I don't know the answer I am gladly to, to tell you I don't know that and I will refer you to someone that has a better answer like uplifting sex educators in my area that are queer or you know LGBTQ community youth that have like a better message or support group for you because I I'm not that person for you. And that's, that's fine with me, but it's, I don't know why that parallel for like black lives matter. Isn't there. Like, that's why I have a real hard problem with people. Like can't get it together. I'm like, it's not that hard.
0: (laughs) And that's the thing, the fundamentals, right? Like the, like the fundamentals around, uh, you know, things that I share on my Instagram, like, or, you know, the like when talking about Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, talking about, like, queer culture. Like, you can get the basics pretty easily, you know? (laughs) Like, there's a movie, there's a podcast, there's a book, there's one article from Harvard Business Review. Like, there are are thousands of things, you know, um, regardless of what, like, the issue is. And it's kind of funny just thinking about my own uh, my own experience with with sex ed like uh, if it, if maybe people didn't tell me that sex was so taboo maybe i'd feel more comfortable googling about it and reading about it and and stuff it's it, it is really like something that you just sort of like like just come on like you don't have to sort of make comments the way that you make comments like you know, put, like read a little bit put a thought together and then send it back out into the world and ask for feedback make yourself open and available yeah. Not where we needed to take the podcast. But I think an important message, uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, saying, why don't, address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't we take a quick break? And then when we come back, we will, um, answer our listener questions.
1: Sounds good. Cool.
0: hi everyone and welcome back uh today we're unpacking sex education with lexi um and uh both lexi and i put some questions out on our instagrams um earlier today and there was a great response. I probably have like a, a hundred responses from people around where your education system failed. And I've shared a little bit of that, but um, Lexi's question was a little bit different. I think you asked, you know, what questions do you still have that are still remaining right around yeah. sex and sex ed- education. So I would love to go through some of the ones um, that you have, if you want, like, I could ask the ones that you put in the notes. Yeah, and then, sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So, First question is, if a woman has a lot of sex over the years, does her vagina necessarily get looser?
1: Um, This is a question I literally get all the time, I would say like once a week. Um, And it's just because that stereotype, right? And especially with like females that if they have sex, they are, you know, whores and dirty and, you know, kind of I feel like this myth came about it that way to keep women from like having multiple sex partners and having a lot of sex. But at the same time, you have to realize like that vagina was meant to push out <laughs> a human being. And it stretches. it literally stretches to like 10 centimeters and then goes back to that size. So there's real, there's no way to tell like, how much sexual partners or so how much someone has sex based on how quote unquote loose their vagina is because that's a myth it's a muscle it goes back to its perfect shape and size after sex after childbirth um so no there's no way to tell
0: yeah that's a good one because I also feel like that's a thing that um I've heard a lot of cis white men uh shame women for is that like oh, like she's easy access, she's easy entry because she's had a lot of sexual partners. You know, she's a doormat, she's furniture. Like all of those things that are saying, you know, that like she is, um, and maybe maybe those are conversations that I'm, privy to because um i am a a cis white man um although i am a member of the queer community i I have a lot of cis white male friends who are comfortable saying things like that or were i'm not sure anymore that those people are still my friends um but um that's like something i've definitely heard before too like like oh like how can you even be with her like she's probably not even tight anymore and it's like what you know and gay men say that too you know it's a muscle like it it works itself out it knows you know like (laughs) how to go back to normal I don't know it just is interesting
1: right and it's great because some women are going to be naturally more loose than others quote-unquote like the size of the vagina is going to be different and so it's sad that some people are shamed because like they may be looser but like had less sex partners or you know haven't had a child but oh I had this person and they were loose Most likely the penis size just wasn't as big as they thought it was, but that's a whole different discussion. We'll get there. Really what happened.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, the next question is, can you get pregnant while breastfeeding?
1: Um, So this is a good one. I get this a lot from some of my um, women, even, even older population because I work in reproductive health. And yes, absolutely. So if a mom is breastfeeding, And she has to be exclusively breastfeeding, um, and she has to pump or express milk every, like, four hours. Also, her period cannot have returned. So, once someone gives birth, usually six weeks later, her period will begin again. Um, And that's why, one, you're healing, but a doctor will also tell you to wait those six weeks before you become sexually active But in that time, if you haven't had your period return, if you're exclusively breastfeeding um, and your baby's less than six months old, then um, it is a form of birth control, but shouldn't be your only form of birth control. So yes, there's a possibility you can get pregnant, but it's less likely if all those things are happening.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that at all.
1: Yeah, because I get a lot of women that may be breastfeeding, but they're like breastfeeding, but also using formula. So you know they're only breastfeeding maybe eight hours and now you don't have enough of those hormones in your body to make you not release an egg. And then they may have like a one-year-old and then they've had their period and now all all bets are off. But then they end up pregnant. They're like, how did this happen? I was breastfeeding. Like, oh yeah, but that's not your only form of birth control that you should be using, but so congrats yeah are. <laughs> that's so
0: interesting i also um i'll just say it you know because it popped into my brain i really don't know anything about the vagina like it just it's so fascinating to me like um i don't know like it just like the all the things that are connected within like a, a female's body and maybe there's complex things going on in my body but like not that i'm aware of like i just think that is like i know they say the miracle of birth like you know but it like that just like I don't know. That is really fascinating, like, just the way that you describe that process.
1: So I made, I did a, um, I had to sit through a webinar that was talking about, like, the vulva and the vagina, and they use, like, a vulva puppet, and I want it really bad. I and my boyfriend was sitting next to me, and I was like, this is what I want for, like, the next holiday. But I do have, like, a poster for now that shows everything. So maybe for our live IG, I can use it that way. Yeah, that, that would be awesome show all the parts and what it does it'd be fun that sounds good to me okay cool. let's do it <laughs> Yeah. Um,
0: okay uh, another good question um, and this is actually one that I've had for a long time I've only recently figured out the answer though but is it normal not to climax every time
1: yes it is normal um, a lot of times it it varies in the like sexual health world of what People think will be like a successful like sex act per se, but um, no, not everyone climaxes every time. But that doesn't mean like the sex wasn't successful. A lot of times people think like, oh, I didn't come or my partner didn't come or they didn't climax, so I, I didn't do a good job. But that's not necessarily it. Um, just because I study like women's health so much more, I know like a little bit more about that aspect and how complicated it is per se but it takes a lot for a woman to climax not just like the stimulation to like sexually but also she has to be in the right frame of mind um and that happens for regardless gender you identify with so if you there's something called really quickly like accelerators and brakes so you have both those things that like turn you on and turn you off so some people have very sensitive accelerators, so they get turned on very easily. It's really easy for them to climax, like regardless, you know, they could just be thinking of sex and, and like gardening and there you go, they got it. Right. But there's other people that have really sensitive breaks. So there are some people that, you know, get, once they're stressed, no matter how much stimulation is going on in the right place they're not gonna climax. But then there's also people that like little things like the dishes weren't washed and you told your partner to wash dishes, now we're done. Like no matter what you do to me, I'm not gonna climax. So it's a lot of the mental as well as the physical. So not everyone's gonna climax every time, but it's no reflection on your partner or yourself. I think that's a problem that like we were never taught, right? Cause you weren't taught pleasure. God forbid. So, when you don't see that, because you know, you've watched porn and media and they always freaking climax. And um, so now, when you don't, you're like, oh man, I did something wrong. They did something wrong. And you may not have that conversation, but it is completely normal. And you know, next time. Yeah, I
0: I, I, that is one that I think I've struggled with for a long time, Um, you know, and I've been sort of constantly Googling and only recently did that answer sort of come to light. And it's interesting because the first time that I I had sex, I I didn't finish. And so like I I didn't climax. There was no sort of like release of, of any kind. So in my mind, I'm thinking there's something wrong with me um, because I must have not liked this person. And then it happened with the next person. And then it happened with the next person. And then it happened with the next person. So each different partner I've had throughout my life, I haven't really been able to like relax enough to, to climax. And I think a lot of it was in my head. I'm sure some of it was physical, but I think my physicality and in, in, in my sexual activity is always sort of changing, but my mental, status and 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 sort of like my, my my mentality around sex has always sort of been it is a little bit wrong it is a little bit taboo and so when you go through like 10 15 partners and you don't climax you're you're sort of like okay now there is something wrong with me um and then, you know, like, you just find someone who you're more comfortable with, you have an experience where you feel good, and you're relaxed, and you're like, that. Like maybe the lights are off, or there's candles, or the lights are on, you're in the shower, like, there's different environments, I think, that have made me feel more comfortable with climaxing. And that's like, I think, for, especially in the queer community, I hear this all the time that like, um, you know especially with I think sometimes anal sex that people like there's there's a lot of stress going on in your body you know from that it takes a lot to get to that point it's a lot of work it's not just like pull down the pants and go in you know that's it's really not like it's not as easy as it looks in the porn we all watch and so I think that that's that's another thing too that like give yourself some grace because you've you've already put your body through a lot of stress to get to the point where you're having intercourse, that climaxing is just another mental stress, I feel like. Um, I say that, of course, without any educational background and only personal experience, but thank you for validating me.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course. But no, that's all accurate. And then even those messages that we just talked about are still in your head, even if you're not actively thinking of them. Like, oh, you know, being gay is, you know, bad having sex is bad and you you're still thinking of those even if you're not actively thinking it's in it's in your brain so when things aren't comfortable you're like oh crap they were right like this is wrong right and it adds to that so then you don't climax um there's actually it's so funny because there's like science behind all this data right so they have like random studies that go on in the science community it's more new but there's this one study that um they only did cis females, but um if cis females their feet were cold, they were less likely to climax. So they like suggested that they should wear um socks if they're having a hard time climaxing. Just because when your body is just not comfortable, it's gonna throw off everything. No matter if everything's correct, whatever, if it was that one thing, their feet were cold, they they weren't gonna Get there so it's literally the littlest thing um so we could have a whole discussion on climaxing because it's orgasm day as you know it is I know
0: oh I should have said that at the beginning that it's national orgasm day when we national
1: orgasm day
0: awesome like um and I I don't know it's so funny because like um I don't know just that that to empower people to like, feel like they can like relax, let loose, like try to do it, you know, like let those thoughts out, try different things, you know, cause there's so many ways that people can climax. So happy national orgasm day, everyone. But the, uh,
1: try out, guys try it out. Yeah, okay. seriously.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. So the next one is, um, I'm not great at speaking up for myself in general. How can I ask for what I want in bed?
1: That's a good one. Um, we kind of talked about that before, but, um, I think the mo- most important thing with that question is knowing what you like. It's hard to tell someone else what you like if you have no idea. So, you know, have fun with yourself. It is National Orgasm Day. Try it out, what you like, what you don't like. You know, um, if you have a vulva and vagina, use a mirror, play around the area, see what it, what parts, when you touch it, feel good, which don't, right? And then once you're with your partner, literally do the same exercise with them. You can even use a mirror. Like when you touch there, when this is there, I like this better. I don't like when you do this. Um, You know, and every partner does it, can do it. It's just like the female genitalia is more internal. So I was saying like for females, use a um, mirror so you can see. But guys too, when you touch or people with a penis, if you touch it, there i like that when you do this with this part of your body i like this right um but it's really important to know what you like first because if you don't you're gonna have a really hard time communicating with someone else and then if they're doing something that you don't like um you know just tell them and but put it in language where it's not too blunt because a lot of times when it comes to sex people take it personally Mm -hmm. because no one was ever taught that like it's, it's a two person path if it's between two people, right? So if you know, you're not responsible for that person's orgasm necessarily, or what they like, but you know, you feel full responsibility, like, when someone says they don't like something, you're like, oh my god, I'm doing this wrong. They don't like me. They don't love me. <laughs> it's it's over, right? And you're like, calm down. You know, that's not what I meant. I just don't like that position. It's me. It's totally me.
0: <laughs> just drag. Just drag me, okay? <laughs> just drag me. Um but that yeah, that's
1: I'm one of those. Too.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Like it just it's it's like that that insecurity. There's so many emotions and you're naked and like you know, well maybe, um, you know, and you're just like in generally speaking, probably a compromised position. Like I think one of the things that I learned from you, like when we were I won't say when we were kids, that would be weird. Like um when when we were, you know, working together in the Dominican and you said to me, You're like, you're like, you know, like like it's okay to like ask for it rough you don't have to have sex with a panda you know you can like look more more of a of a tiger or more of a lion or more of a bear like and i i have channeled that cuz like i i am a person that is is more comfortable i think being being rough and you know like the hitting the spitting that give me it all you know like and um I think that that's one of those things that I've learned how to speak up for that, like that. I enjoy that. But if you don't tell your partner that beforehand, they're like, what is going on? Like it is overwhelming. You know, it's really overwhelming. I think it's, you really have to have, I think, um, maybe a couple glasses of wine if you don't feel confident um, and just be like, this is what I like, just so you know. And then afterwards, maybe not in the moment, even afterwards, you can correct them too, and be like, "Hey, you did that. I think I would actually like it a little bit more if you did this." You know, like just you could be like you said, like like choose choose your language carefully. Be tactful with it.
1: Yeah, and then I think sometimes maybe like face to face conversations could be intimidating. Um, so I tell this to like my parents when they want to talk about like sex ed topics with their kids. Not everything needs to be face to face, eye to eye contact. Which I know people are like, things get lost in communication with text, but you can start the conversation that way. Maybe that's easier for you to voice it. Also, like if you're doing an- another activity, like driving in the car, so you're not looking eye to eye, that's a really good one I tell people. So, like, you can start the conversation that way, but you're not looking dead in their eye, like, I don't like this. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> like, that's kind of intimidating for everyone involved. But you could be doing a different activity and say, hey, you know, I really like when you did this and, you know, I appreciate but this part didn't feel so great and I like it more when we do this. So that's that's one of my, my two cents for how to start that conversation. That's
0: a good one. Um, okay. I definitely want to save some of these for the Instagram live, but let's do a okay. couple more. Um, okay, so, um, how about I was always taught that sex was bad, and now I still feel ashamed every time I have random sex?
1: Yeah, that is such a big one. I get from my adult clients or people that hit me up randomly on Instagram or my friend, you should see my like inbox, but, um, that's probably the most common. Um, and Again, you need to learn what you like yourself and end up being comfortable with your body. And I'm saying you're not going to have insecurities because everyone has insecurities. Um, so that's fine. But learning to be a knowing that you are a sexual being and that it's OK for you to have pleasure is going to be the biggest message that you have to come across first before you're probably comfortable with other people. So if you never looked at your genitals, regardless of what sex or gender you are, if you've never pleased yourself, you're going to have a hard time not feeling ashamed when you're with other people. No matter if you guys have a great relationship outside the bedroom, once you get there, because again, you don't know how to talk about these things, or you don't feel comfortable touching yourself, it's going to really be hard. So... I would say work on yourself first and don't put pressure on yourself to have sex right now. Like work on yourself now. Realize that all those things that you were taught, I'm so sorry, you had a really bad sex ed teacher that probably was really like the math teacher and they were assigned to teach you that one day sex ed didn't teach you why pleasure is so important, but um, it is. And so you kind of have to learn that it's okay for you to have sexual pleasure before you introduce someone else, probably.
0: Yeah. And I I think you can even, if you do get close and feel like you can be vulnerable with a partner, I think that's another thing that you can share, you know, Um, like sharing with Jack that I've always had trouble like climaxing and and trouble with orgasms and, and my mental state during sex, I can sometimes feel like I'm like, Nah, i'm not here and i'm like now i'm nervous and now i'm overthinking and now i'm like worried that this is not going to be good and you're never going to like me or talk to me again like if you can share a little bit about like that you know just so you know like i grew up i grew up catholic you know um i grew up like feeling that sex was bad that i i should get pleasure that the purpose of this is having babies and, and you are a man um and i am a man and so there is that, that purpose is gone you know um like, and so, but I've also told that this was a sin. Like, I think you can, without fully releasing all of the emotional baggage you have, right? Like, you can say some things that are like, just so you know, like, um, sex is something that can sometimes be a little bit difficult for me. Um, I really enjoy doing it, but sometimes it takes me a little while to get in the mood. Put that challenge back on that person, you know, <laughs> so, like, you know, do things that that, that are, help, like, that, that do things that they can sort of, can open their mind maybe even to, I don't know.
1: Right, that communication so key because like if you are in a relationship with someone at that moment and you're working on yourself, they're gonna think again something's wrong with me. Why aren't they? Why don't they want to touch me anymore? But being like, hey, you know, I'm having these issues. I'm gonna work on them. But you want to help me work on them? That's also a nice game that you guys can play together.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I um I, I do want to before we kind of close out. I do want to talk about consent. Um because we didn't really cover it earlier. And that was a lot of things that I got questions about on my Instagram, um, probably from like 15 to 20 people. I never learned about consent. I never learned what rape is. My only version of rape is the things that I've seen in movies and the TV shows. And it's always, you know, this horrible, horrific thing where like maybe someone ends up dead afterwards. And, And so, I don't know. I wanted to talk a little bit about consent and also like not necessarily different types of rape because that's not the, the word that feels appropriate or the phrase that feels appropriate to say, but just sort of like like I guess rape, consent, power of saying no, some of that stuff. Um, you know, especially because even with the 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 Me Too movement, um, which I think is such a fantastic thing that we are having a national conversation um, about sex consent um, and and women who have been taken advantage of and men who have been taken advantage of, like, there's still, I think a lot of fear and, and um, uncomfortability talking about consent. Um, and then like our, our power dynamics and consent, like there's so much, we could do a whole episode I'm sure on consent. But right. I would, I would love to, you know, hear some of the things that you share in your sessions or, or, you know, what some of your thoughts are. On okay.
1: Yeah. So consent is an interesting topic because if you got sex ed you definitely didn't get consent most likely um many I don't know like how many states but a lot of states do not require consent at all taught in any type of sex ed so again you only got it from like the media or whatever like you said and so you think you know it's it has to be that it has to be really violent you know and from a stranger and you know so it may end up dead um afterwards and that's not always the case so a lot of times my message is just really straightforward when it comes to our kids this is something like I don't sugarcoat or make jokes about because it's so serious so this is definitely a lecture size style serious conversation but um a lot of times one of the big things I tell them is that if you are not comfortable You are always allowed to say no. And it doesn't matter if, you know, it was before you met up with this person, literally in the middle of the stroke. Like, if you decide, like, this is not what I want to do, you are always allowed to say no. Um, Regardless of what, how much you like that person, if they're your significant other, if you're married to them, you're always allowed to say no. Um, Have you ever watched the tea video?
0: No, I haven't. Oh
1: my goodness, I have to send that to you. But that is just a, a really great um, introduction to consent, because it doesn't matter if you had sex with that person before, if you're friends with them, how friendly you are, if you are not comfortable in that situation, um, even if you met up with them, even if it was a tender date, even, whatever, you're always allowed to say no. And a lot of times those laws and stuff kind of get confusing too. And a lot of people think now because of the Me Too movement, um, and which is great, don't get me wrong, I really appreciate that people are standing up now. A lot of times, especially for cis women, when they come forward, people just automatically may think they're lying because there are so many people caught with that Me Too movement that were just making stuff up, which is sad and discredits so many people. Like, 95% of the time, someone's telling the truth, and it's that, like, small percentage that kind of ruined the reputation of so many people talking, but I think a lot of times we also forget that, like, cis men can be um, victims of rape and non-consensual episodes as well, so it's even harder for, like, them to speak up because it's like, but you're the man, right? You, don't you always want sex or you know, you are so much bigger and stronger than that person, then that's not necessarily the case. So I think as a whole society, we have to do better at introducing that consent conversation and at a young age.
0: I agree. Um, I think, you know, with some of especially my early sexual experiences, uh, particularly my queer ones, like it was it was just so exciting to finally be, you know, living intimately um, or, or acting intimately um, with somebody else who was part of the queer community. And so because you are finally having this like sexual experience that feels um, normal because it's with the, the gender identity or the, the biological sex that you, you prefer um, it, it feels like, oh, well, maybe this is just sort of the way it is, or maybe it's just like kind of rougher, or maybe, um, you know, uh, I was asking for it because, you know, like I said some things in a text message. Um, And just because you said it one time doesn't mean that your opinion can't change. Um, And, and that's, I feel um, something that I, I kind of like wish I had learned and something that I sort of, Um, wish that I could like go back and learn and tell myself like, no, this isn't okay. Just because you're flirting at some point in the evening does not mean that this behavior that's happening is okay. You were not asking for this. Um, and you were too scared to say no, because you didn't want it to get any worse. And so it just, um, to me, I, I think that that, that is so important to have like, um, you know, somebody, somebody there with you at a young age to be like, no means no. And here are the million times that you can say no. And here are the million times that that person has to listen and respect you when you say no. Um, I don't know, that sounds like it would just, it, it, it makes me so happy that you are having those conversations with so many people. And it makes me like, want to get involved in that work. And I don't know if there's like something that I can do or, or share, but um, because you just think like how you can, protect our our young people educate our young people equip them you know to to own their their sexuality their sexual activity and stuff as much as they can of course there's obviously situations where where things are very violent but um you know just some of those little interactions like I've, i've heard and talked to a lot of people that are like well i wouldn't call it rape but and i'm like where are we going with this where, you know, I've said those words, you know, like, I, I, I've i I've talked to many people about that. Like, I, it's, it's like, just be just, just because it doesn't look like what you think rape should look like or could look like doesn't mean that it's not. Um, and I hate to end on, on something that is really sad, because it's something that's really important. It is something that's really important. Um, and I think it does come back to the importance of education and the youth. I'm so thankful that you do this stuff and, and that you joined me here. So.
1: Oh, of course. And then I do get a lot of people in my inbox every time that I say like, you want to have adult success questions? You know, um, I do that like maybe once every couple of weeks and I always get stuff. But I always have that problem with consent too. So if you have any listeners um, out there, I'll send you some links that you can have to um, resources that are national because I know you have people all over that Um, listen but also like feel free to write me a DM like I am not one of those and not a counselor at all Um, I'll put that out there but I can at least put you in the right contact uh, the right resources and I have great friends that are counselors that are national because I run into this problem all the time so I just on the More happy note if this is something that resonates with you, just know that you, you know, aren't alone and that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's people that can help you and get to a place where you feel safe. So feel free to use any of those um, organizations that Paul will link or DM me if. If that's the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the same goes for me for people who, you know, have, have questions um, around gay sex and communication. Um, again, not a licensed professional, haven't studied it, but um, I at least am, am in a marriage where I, I feel that, you know, we have equal voice um, when it comes to uh, sex and sexual activity, and so if you've ever struggled with it, you know, um, again, I could maybe, like, help you out a little bit and talk to you about, you know, the gay, gay sex experience, because Like Lexi said, there's not a ton of of, of resources available for us and people don't have it. So it's normal to feel confused. Um, But Lexi, where where can people connect with you so they can slide into those DMs?
1: Oh, yeah. So my IG is Lex, L-E-X underscore the Explorer. A lot of the times my stuff is, was travel related, but I do a lot of sex ed and public health too. So it's a balance. So um, follow my, you know, (laughs) Pre-COVID <laughs> adventures, but also sex ed topics and discussions. So, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining um, again. Um, and this has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. So, um, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to learn more, you can follow me on Instagram at it's Paul Warren. Um, or you can follow Lex, as she just said, at Lex underscore the Explorer. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, uh, please rate, comment, subscribe, and share, do all of the things, um, that help us get more listeners, um, and stay tuned because Lex and I are going to do, um, an Instagram live where we answer your questions live, which will be really fun when I have a bottle of wine in me, so. (laughs)
1: And I'll have like all these stuffed animals and stuff to show off and all these models. So join us. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It'll be probably my first live too. So oh. I'm excited. Cool. So um, take care everyone. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy and uh, keep unpacking, keep having difficult conversations, keep learning new topics and keep doing your thing. Talk to you all soon.